Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody enjoying your conversations. Uh, after such a, a period of rain, it's really good to see a day when it's not raining so much. But thank, thank the Lord for his wonderful blessing of rain that comes to water the land. We want to thank him also for his spiritual blessings that he has poured out on us. And one of those spiritual blessings is joy. We've been singing about it already, been think, thinking about it, and um, we're going to take that word today, joy. I uh, want to welcome everybody here this morning who um, is for your first time. Maybe you've come here because you've felt drawn because of circumstances that are happening in the world. You're coming to seek solace in the Lord. You've come to the right place. I'd like to welcome back um, Nasi from uh, um, the Refugee Project in Eltham. You're very welcome. And is it Johnny, is it? You're very welcome, Johnny. Um, today's topic is joy. That's one of the words that we pull out at Christmas a lot. And uh, along with peace, hope, and goodwill, and things like that, we pull it out and we talk about it quite a bit. We sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. And we sing unspeakable joy, unspeakable and overflowing well. And for some of us, joy resonates because it's very close to the surface and it just kind of bubbles out. And off we go with joy, the emotion of joy. And we have fond memories that just come up when we think about Christmas and Jesus. And uh, nostalgia comes to the surface. But yet there are others of us and for you, perhaps that word joy is actually something even inappropriate. It's, it's alien. It's seemingly imposed upon you because of the season, and you don't really want it imposed on you because you can't feel it. If that's you today, may the Lord meet with you and fill you with that joy that comes from his presence. You didn't want to be reminded of your lack of joy this morning by the mention of it, but that's your reality. And I just want to encourage you to hang in there and uh, seek the Lord, and we seek the Lord for you, that you might know his joy. You know, we don't want to assume that we know what joy is um, or where we can even find it, but it's, it's something that many people grow up without. I was listening to the story of a pastor from Guatemala whom I met in April 2003. I went up to his um, village way up in the mountains of Guatemala. His name is Pastor Mariano Riscachi. And uh, he grew up in a village in Guatemala where it was ruled by alcohol. It was alcohol-depressed, alcohol-suppressed, alcohol-fueled environment, ruled by ancient deities. And he, at the age of three, he remembers coming to the conclusion, this is life. This is the way it is supposed to be. Can you imagine the fallout from uh, an alcohol-fueled environment where the majority of people were governed by that? And Mariano began to think that life is like that. He grew up with no joy in his life. And I'm wondering if that is you. Um, thank the Lord, he came to the place where he discovered true joy in Christ. And he was part of a wonderful revival that has taken place in Guatemala, in that city of Almalonga. I, got, I had the wonderful privilege of being in that village 
where the power of God is broken through. There used to be 23 bars and nightclubs and three churches. Today it's flipped on its head. There are 24, 25 churches and three bars. There used to be three prisons. There are now no longer any prisons. Why was that? Nobody did anything bad enough to go to jail. Why was that? Because the joy of the Lord in the form of the gospel of good news and great joy came into the city of Almalonga and totally transformed it. 93% of that city now claim to be evangelical born-again believers. And the evidence is there. I was in that city and I have never been in a more peaceful city. Over the um, loudspeakers that they have all through the town, they, they play beautiful symphonies and gospel music. And uh, the whole atmosphere is charged with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Mariano found joy, but he grew up without joy. Let's have a little look at the definition of joy as it is in English. Um, the dictionary is full of synonyms for joy. It is amazing how many synonyms there are for joy, and I'm going to read them out. And uh, we're going to have a look at them. And I will probably interject with a few um, just background meanings and etymology of the word. Jubilation, that means shouting for joy. It's a lovely word, jubilation, isn't it? Shouting for joy. Triumph, that's victory joy. We've won a victory, so we're joyful. We're triumphant. Exaltation, that's actually got to do with jumping, leaving for joy. Have you ever seen a, a cow who gets out of the shed after a long time? and goes in the pasture. Have you ever seen that? Wow, they jump for joy. They really do. Um, then there's rejoicing. There's radiance, enjoyment, gratification, felicity. You'll say, oh, that's a girl's name. Yes, it is, but it means happiness and joy. Cloud nine. There's a modern synonym for uh, joy. Cloud nine. Seventh heaven. Have you heard that one? Happiness. Gladness. Glee, exhilaration. Does anybody know where exhilaration comes from? Well, it, mean, it comes out of hilarity. Have you ever been uh, laughing so much that you almost feel like your sides are going to cave in? That's hilarity, and that's, that's part of joy. It's a type of joy. And then there's um, ebulence. Have you ever heard of ebulence? I think I've only heard of it once or twice. It's actually coming from bubbling and boiling. It comes from that root. Exuberance, we've all heard of exuberance. That means from coming from overflowing and superabundance, that kind of joy. Then there's elation. That has to do with being raised up in happiness and joy. Euphoria, that means to carry things beautifully and well. Then there's bliss. Ecstasy, that means almost to be outside of yourself with joy. Ecstasy, standing outside. Transports of delight. Great pleasure, rapture. Are these only words for you or are they part of your experience? I, I trust that every one of us has been able to tap into one of those words at some time or other and that your life has not been joyless. But if it has been joyless, I want to instill hope in you this morning because joy is very, very real for a very important reason. Now, when, when Christians um, stand up and preach, at times we, we, we preach on doctrine. But I want to tell you that joy is actually, it's much more than a doctrine. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. And uh, it's not an idea primarily that is in the realms of theory. 
It's not a philosophy. It's not a, um, anything like that. But it's a feeling or an emotion that we feel in the very, very core of our being, deep down in. And uh, something felt in the soul. Joy is not something that we can suddenly decide to demonstrate. We can't say, okay, I'm turning on the joy right now, as if we had a joy switch. It's either there or isn't there. You know, it's, it's like fear in a sense. You know, just imagine we came along the track one day by the river and we saw a tiger snake. So, tiger snakes. Now, <clears throat> what sort of a response am I supposed to have to a tiger snake? Let me look up my inventory of emotions. Oh, yes, fear. <laughs> you know, something like that. That's not the way it goes. It just, it's just there. You know, it's a, it's a response because of what's in deep inside our souls. John Piper says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit. That's what makes it very special, not just a, an ethereal feeling that comes or goes. It's a, it's a feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. So really, joy, along with peace and hope and love, is part of the suite of things that we really need to live fully as human beings. Why do I say that? Because it's what we lost in Eden. We had all those things when we were together with God in Eden. And then sin came into the world and we lost all those things. Not in a complete and utter sense, but we lost them in a, in a kind of a, an all-embracing kind of a sense that means that we have only got partial remnants of those things left in our lives as humans without Christ. And these things have been striven for long and hard down through the years. All human beings strive for love, for peace, for joy, and for hope. Why is that? Because there's a, an ancient memory in our DNA that that's the way it used to be, and that's the way it's supposed to be, but it's not like that, and we are in trouble. We cannot be fulfilled or live as we were intended to live without these things. And we're especially thinking about joy today. I want to ask you, do you sense the lack of these things, especially joy, in your life today? Do you, do you sense that it's profoundly lacking? Like it's not just minimally lacking, it's profoundly lacking. If you do, that could be the start of seeking Jesus today in your life. Seeking the one who is joy to come into your life and flood you with true and lasting joy. When we understand and accept the good news of Jesus Christ, there is an accompanying joy that comes into our souls, and it dispels sorrow. I love that word, dispel. just gets rid of sorrow. Isaiah chapter 51 says, Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. So, now there's one thing to understand intellectually the meaning of joy and the concept of joy, but it's quite another thing to feel it in the depths of your soul. Do you agree? You can understand the English definition of joy, but that you experience it every day at a deep level is another thing altogether. And so, let us come to the Scriptures. Let's come to the uh, Christmas narrative in Luke chapter 2, which talks about joy. And Bron has already read 
a couple of verses from that chapter, but we'll read a few more verses and we'll repeat the ones that she read. So it's Luke chapter 2, verse 8, following. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, following. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about them. By, uh, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. Thank you for your word, Lord. Can you imagine the roller coaster um, of the feelings of the shepherds that night? First of all, they were scared right out of their wits. And then they hear this fellow in bright clothes saying to them, do not be afraid. Imagine that happened to you. Not just one angel, but the heavens full of them. And uh, you were scared out of your wits. And then he said, don't be afraid. And then he said, I have good news of great joy. They were comforted. They were puzzled. They were amazed. They were frightened all in a very short space of time. So this is a little bit of the context of the emotional roller coaster that the shepherds were going through. But I want us to look at that little phrase, great joy, that we find in verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So look at that adjective, great, there. It is placed before the noun joy. So whatever this joy was, it was big. Very, very big. It was great. It's not your average run-of-the-mill joy, you know, like having a good harvest or hearing of the birth of a baby, just an ordinary baby. Um, It wasn't uh, receiving an invitation to a a, a party. It wasn't even the joy that you get when you smell the scent of the flowers. Have you ever walked along the road and smelt jasmine or you smelt honeysuckle? It gives a, a wonderful joy just at the creation of God. It wasn't that kind of a joy. It was much, much greater than that. This is, um, if you translate um, good news, it, it just comes like out as the gospel. This is the gospel of great joy that the, the angel was announcing, the gospel of great joy. And uh, this is what this world needs to hear in this day and age. All around the world today, what we see is we see nations saber-rattling. Aren't they? They're deliberately saber-rattling as they uh, vie with one another with words very dangerous words that very soon could break out into a real war. And it's very, very, very serious. The world needs this great joy right now. It needs this gospel or this good news. And um, 
I just thank the Lord for what I see in Melbourne in these days. In these last four weeks or so, we have seen the Lord moving in a mighty way. We have seen people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, people have been walked up to on the street, and instead of dismissing the evangelist, in the last four weeks we're hearing more and more of them accepting the word of the evangelist and being saved there in the street. We are hearing of cripples walking. We're hearing of people being healed of lifelong diseases. God has opened a, wonder, a wonderful window of grace and mercy in this city in these days. We have people in here today who have been healed in the last three or four weeks of very serious conditions, and we give the Lord praise for that. But this is all part of this gospel of great joy. It's a sign that has followed the preaching of the gospel of great joy. And we've seen businesses that have been turned around from three days away from going bankrupt to being profitable, paying off their debts, employing new people, making more money in a month than they did in an entire year two years ago. And this all down to the gospel of good, uh, great joy. I'm, I'm not preaching prosperity here. I'm just preaching um, all of the things that the gospel brings to people's lives. This week, um, uh, my, my own daughter, Emily, and some of the other girls from the church had the wonderful joy of leading a fellow on the beach to the Lord. Um, he cried out, two of them cried out to the sea, and they said, towards the sea, not to the sea, God, if you're real, show yourself to us. And last Sunday, Michael came to know the Lord. And uh, he said, the Holy Spirit came in. My spirit was stirred. And all of a sudden, I felt compassion for people. And uh, Christian surfers are following him up now. But there's a great need for great joy in our world today. There's been decades of rebellious um, chaos and lies against God, just decades of it, stretching back hundreds of years as people began to rebel against what they knew to be true of God. And as we look into our society today, we should be happier today than ever before, shouldn't we? We have many, many modern conveniences. We have beautiful houses. We have transport. We have medicine. We have institutions that have maybe taken centuries to set up, but they're there, and we should be happier. But what do we find? We find that we're not happier. We do not have joy. My doctor told me that he is now witnessing an epidemic of anxiety and depression in this area. And this is um, like new. It's, it's, well, it's not absolutely new, but it's been growing exponentially recently, especially among young girls. And uh, I was reading a, an article about the mental health institutions in the United Kingdom. And people were saying, these institutions are broken. They're not coping. Well, maybe they should say society's broken, not the institution that's trying to look after the society. Perhaps the same is, here, is true here in Australia. There's a great need for great joy. And a lot of the mental illness that we have around us is because people have no hope or no joy. Um, because of these lies that have been told. Lies that say we are not anything more than advanced um, you know, molecules coming together uh, in a primordial soup. That we are not anything special. This is just a, a godless, empty, random universe. So that saps every one of us from hope. There's no hope in our lives. 
there's no joy because it doesn't matter uh, what we do. There's no retribution. There's no um, moral compass. So joy is really, really lacking in our society. But the angel said in verse 10, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And a saviour saves, doesn't he? A saviour saves. And that's the reason Jesus was born. If we look at Zachariah's song in chapter 1, we can see some of the things that Jesus came to save us from. Luke chapter 1, verse 67. I'll read more of this scripture now. We see in this scripture that Jesus came to save us from some sort of captivity. He came to deliver us from our enemies. He came to save us from fear. And he came to forgive us our sins. He came to lead us out of darkness. And he came to deliver us from death. All of these things which Adam and Eve lost. So let's have a look at these scriptures and see, can you point out, as you read, what we have need of a saviour for. Verse 67 of chapter 1 says, Regarding John the Baptist, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. There's one. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. There's two. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is part of the Christmas narrative and such a list of things that Jesus came to save us from. Let's recap. He came to save us from certain forms of captivity, our enemies, fear, sin, darkness, and death. And this is probably not an exhaustive list of those things which Jesus came to save us from. But we can see that it is indeed a gospel of great joy. And when the, when the shepherds heard that this good news, that a saviour had been born, they must have been elated, mustn't they? They must have been overjoyed to realise that a saviour had been born. And then all of a sudden they realised, oh dear, he's only born today. That means we'll probably have to wait about 30 years for all of these things to happen. Can you imagine their, in a sense, disappointment? You know that, yes, on the one hand, the Savior is born, but we are going to have to wait. Maybe some of those shepherds were in their 50s. Maybe they were in their 40s, I don't know. And those days, they didn't live very long. So they probably thought they would never see the outworking of this Savior who'd been promised. He wasn't born an adult. He was born a little baby. And therefore, that implied a long wait. And that's probably why Mary had to ponder all these things in her heart. Because she knew certain things because of what the angel had told her, that this baby was to be a very special baby. And yet, a lot of time was to pass before that would be realized. But not for us, brothers and sisters. Not for us 
a 30-year wait to receive the blessings of the gospel of great joy. We can have it immediately today by trusting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We can now enter into this great joy that he's bringing to us without that long delay. And that is an amazing thing. And I'm thinking particularly today of those of us who still don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Why don't you join today the thousands of people in this state and around the world who are coming to know Jesus for the first time? Why don't you join him today and see how he brings hope instead of despair, how he brings peace instead of turmoil, how he brings love instead of hate, and how he brings joy instead of sorrow. This is the real reason why Jesus came to this earth, to restore to us everything that we as a race lost. We are not functioning properly as a race around the world. That should be obvious to us all. We were never designed to function like this. And the fact that we are holding it together is only evidence of the fact that we are still in the image of God and that he is sovereign, that he is presiding over things, that he has a timetable and that he won't allow things to run ahead. He has still got his hand on us. But one day, all of what we lost will be completely restored to us when we're with him in heaven. That's if you believe. And um, this message is not restricted. I'd like us to look again at verse 10, where it says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. How many people does all the people exclude? Zero. Zero. This message is for all the people. Sadly, all the people have not received this message. Many, many have rejected it. Many, many have not heard it. And therefore, they can't receive it or reject it because they haven't heard it yet. And this prophecy of the angels has come to pass in the most amazing way, especially over the last 300 years. The gospel has mushroomed, especially with the uh, advent of the modern missionary movement. There is a a little um, YouTube video that shows the spread of modern religions around the world. It shows um, Islam, it shows Christianity, Hinduism, and Buddhism. And it's particularly interesting to notice the spread of Christianity because it's much more dramatic in the last 300 years than all the rest of them. As you see, it's colored red quite appropriately, and uh, it, it spreads from Palestine out into Turkey, across North Africa, into, into Europe, and then it contracts a little bit as Islam ri- rises. And then about 300 years ago, it begins to expand into North America, South America, 200 years ago, Australia, and more and more of the world becomes colored red. And then in the most recent times, it just explodes into South America. It was all around the coast. And then all of a sudden, it explodes right into the middle. Africa becomes red. And uh, all over the world, millions and millions and millions of people, all the people, are beginning to hear the good news of the gospel. And people are coming to know the Lord. And China, you know, this week in China, I don't know if you've heard, but there was a church where they took 100 of the members to jail and the pastor because they refused to register with the government and be controlled by the government. They want to be controlled by one Lord, Jesus Christ. And uh, are they downcast? Are they defeated? 
know some of the things that are coming out from that church this week would really encourage us and also get us to prepare ourselves for any similar persecution. But the church in China is still growing in spite of this clampdown that's going on. This gospel of great joy is indeed for all the people. And uh, yet we still know that not all the people groups of the world have been reached by the gospel. And it's lovely to hear of two prospective missionaries standing up here this morning and telling about their, the, God, the Lord's call upon their life to reach out. Very encouraging to see that, Amber and Lauren. And may the Lord continue to lead you and guide you in the way that you should go and open up all the doors and provide everything you need, spiritually, materially, emotionally, and physically, for everything you need for that call upon your life. So that you might even be part of that reaching the, the unreached with the gospel. One of the things that I, I noticed as we studied these words over the last few days, weeks rather, is that hope and peace and joy are products. You might ask, how in the world are they products? You can't go down to the shop and buy a kilo of peace, or you can't buy uh, two meters of joy. You can't even buy a piece of peace. It's not like that. It's not that kind of a product. But nevertheless, they are all products. How come? Well, hope or expectancy is produced when God reveals something to us. He says something in his word. Hope arises, expectancy arises as a result. And um, we have a product called hope. Expectancy rises up inside us. So in the same way, peace is a product. Peace is a product of hope and expectancy. When we have hope in our heart and expectancy of what God is going to do, then it produces a peace because God is in control. We know about that. So peace is a product of hope and revelation. And then joy is also a product of a firm grip of both hope and peace. Because if we've got hope and expectancy in our lives and peace, then that gives lots of room for joy. Joy is unrestricted and comes forth out of our innermost being. And uh, so in that way, joy is a product. And it's dependent upon hope and peace and revelation. You take any of them away, you take away hope, you won't have peace. Take away peace, you won't have hope or joy. Take away joy, then hope and peace are a nonsense. They're redundant. They have no place. Joy needs the companion of hope and peace. And all of these spiritual gifts that Jesus' death and resurrection and, and what we're thinking about today, his coming to the earth in the first place, all of these spiritual gifts that he gives us. Real joy is spiritual. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians 5, 22 is the list of the fruits of the Spirit. And it says there, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, and the second one is joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. All of these things are spiritual. Real joy is spiritual. Real joy is also not always as it seems. James chapter 1, verse 2. Perhaps you know this verse. It says there, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy. Unadulterated joy. 22 carat joy when you face 
all kinds of trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I feel a little bit like Jesus this morning because he had to ask for a coin, and I don't have one. But um, if I had a coin up here, you would see that it has two sides. And joy has two sides. And um, one of the sides is not sorrow. Because sorrow is sorrow, joy is joy. They're not the same thing. Or not part of the same thing. One of the sides of the coin of joy is trials. That seems contradictory, but the scripture is telling us that it's pure joy. What's the other side of the coin? Well, we'll get to that by asking the question, where do we find fullness of joy? Well, it should be obvious because Adam and Eve had the fullness of joy in the Garden of Eden, and they were in the presence of God. That's where pure, unadulterated joy was found, in the presence of God. And uh, on Wednesday night at the prayer meeting, um, I had a prayer request because um, I had been preparing this talk, and I just said to them, uh, folks, will you pray for me as I seek to finish this, wrap up my talk, my sermon? I just haven't got what I need to wrap it up. And before they even got to pray, the Lord had put in my mind Psalm 16, verse 11, which says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And John Davis didn't know this, but he sent me a text with that very verse on it the next day or a day or two after. And I just realized, yes, that's it. In your presence is fullness of joy. That's where we find fullness of joy. And that's why one of the names of Jesus, I believe, is Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what it means, God with us. It says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And the reason that this gospel is a gospel of great joy is because God came to be with us. God came to be with us. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And so it began the process of the restoration of the fullness of joy to the human race. And we can be partakers of that. To know the fullness of joy, we need to know the source of all joy. We need to be in the presence of the one who brings all joy. And you know, since Pentecost, that's when the Holy Spirit was given, we have something better, in a sense, than God with us. We have, as believers, God in us. Now, we're not God. We are a creature. But God has come to live inside us in the form of his Holy Spirit. And he has brought all these wonderful gifts with him. So therefore, we do have the potential to have the fullness of joy in our lives, flowing out to others and all around us. And I want to just, I just desire for each one of us that we may have this fullness of joy as Emmanuel, God with us, comes to be God in us and lives out through us. There's no real or lasting joy for human 
outside the presence of God. I believe that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine never having a fear, never having a worry, an anxious moment, never having witnessed anything bad, never having been told a lie until five seconds ago, and then losing all your peace, joy, love, happiness, all in one go. That's what happened to our forefathers, Adam and Eve. They just lost it all immediately. It must have been an absolutely devastating thing for them. But now we can have that joy restored through Jesus, Emmanuel. That, we sing a hymn, a carol at Christmas time. And the first line is looking forward to the coming of Emmanuel. And the last line of the first verse is stating that he's already come. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel has come to thee, O Israel. And those of us who love Jesus, who are born again of his Spirit, are the new Israel. We are the people of God, and Emmanuel has come to us. Emmanuel lives in us. Now we live out what he lives inside us. And the last words that Jesus said to his disciples before he left the earth, before he departed to be with his Father, were these. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what a promise. The gospel of great joy. In your presence is the fullness of joy. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's a motive for joy, brothers and sisters. And may we all experience it in the most amazing measure over this Christmas time. Um, and, you know, if there's anyone here today who doesn't know the joy of the Lord, who hasn't trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior yet, please come and speak to us. Don't leave this building today without getting right with God and receiving His Holy Spirit's forgiveness. The band will come um, now and play a last song. <laughs>